0: Hello, and welcome to the sermons of Our Saviour Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. I'm Pastor Joshua Kirtenbeck. Today is the 16th Sunday after Pentecost. Our sermon text is the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. When they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them, and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up to Jesus and greeted him. And he asked them, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you, from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. In our day, many people, even Christians, wish to turn our Gospel reading into something that it's not, because they're uncomfortable with the idea of spirits, whether good or evil, clean or unclean. They will say there's really no such thing as devils, demons, and spirits. It's just the gospel writer trying to explain something he didn't understand. That thing, in this case, being epilepsy, despite the fact that epilepsy was a well-known disease at this time. do not be deceived, brothers and sisters, this boy was truly afflicted with an unclean spirit that made him mute and would throw him into the fire or water to try to destroy him. This was a real unclean spirit that was afflicting the boy. Some might squirm to think about it, thinking it's too fantastical to be real, that it must be imagination. But that's not the case. Our Lord healed sickness, and he cast out unclean spirits. He knew the difference. And here our Lord says, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you. Come out of him and never enter him again. Our Lord Jesus Christ truly delivered this boy from the dreadful demonic affliction. The poor boy had been suffering since childhood with it and the spirit attempting to destroy him by having him fatally injured in a fire, or by drowning. And the spirit knew that its time in this child was coming to an end, for when it sensed that Jesus, the Son of God himself in human flesh, was near, it convulsed the boy, and he fell to the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. It acted spitefully, before its lord and master, causing the boy pain in his presence. The Lord does not stand this, and with a forceful word delivers the boy from his grievous affliction, For our Lord and Master is also the Lord and Master of the unclean spirits. He is the creator of all things visible and invisible, that includes the spirits and angels. It includes even those that rebelled against him and fell. It includes those spirits for whom the lake of fire was created. They may resist and hate him and all that are his, but they must listen to him, for he is their maker. This and many other events such as this in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ, demonstrate his authority over even the unclean spirits. They demonstrate his power over unholy powers, his attack on and his destruction of the kingdom of the devil. The definitive battle was that of the cross, where in laying down his life he defeated sin, death, and the power of the devil. And by his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of the Father, he has barred Satan and his evil angels from the presence of God, so that they may no longer make accusations against the saints of God in his presence. And he has promised that on the day of judgment, when he returns, he will cast these evil spirits out of the world and into their eternal punishments. But now they continue to roam the world, seeking to keep men in their bondage. For all who are born are born into the kingdom of the devil. That is where those who are born in sin are. Only those who have been set free and born into the kingdom of God by the waters of holy baptism are not. There is no in-between, no neutral ground. One is either of Christ or of the devil. And as such, we Christians must, in honor of God's name, stay away from those things which the devil uses to keep people trapped in his kingdom, which he uses to keep people away from God. In our day, we see astrology and psychics, the use of crystals and charms and divination and mediums as doing this, all things which point away from the true God and instead point to false gods, and build up trust in these objects and methods or in ourselves. And that was ultimately why the disciples could not cast out the unclean spirit from the boy. Jesus and Peter, James and John, had went up the mountain, and the Lord was transfigured before these three. When they came down, they saw the crowd, and this is what was reported to our Lord. Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he had an unclean spirit that makes him mute, and when it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. They were not able to cast it out? They had done so before. In fact, not so long ago, they had done so many times over. For the Lord sent them out and gave them authority over unclean spirits, and it was reported that they cast out many demons. Why then could they not now? Our Lord's response, O faithless generation, tells us, They had been commissioned to cast out demons, but upon returning from their preaching mission, they no longer had this commission. They were once again commissioned to be disciples who were to learn at their master's feet. And so, while nine of the twelve waited for Jesus, and this boy was brought to them, they assumed that they could certainly cast out the Spirit. They had done it before. They would do it again. They relied on their own abilities to do so. They relied on their own experiences. They relied on themselves. They trusted in their own skill and authority in order to cast out this mute and dumb spirit. In a word, their actions were faithless, for their Lord, for their trust was not in their Lord, but in themselves. Rather than asking the boy's father to wait a little while until they could petition their Lord, and even rather than praying to the Father in heaven that he might de- drive out the spirit and heal the boy, they instead took it upon themselves. There are many ways in which we can fall into the same trap. Many ways in which we can think, I can do this on my own, rather than asking the Lord for help, rather than petitioning Him, rather than entrusting our cares and burdens to Him. When we do that, we act as if we are our own gods. We trust in ourselves. And that's what a god is. What is a god, except that we trust and expect good things from it? The faithless disciples' actions point us away from ourselves, and to the one who can do all things, the one to whom we should bring all things, the one who has done all things for our salvation, Jesus Christ. In contrast to the disciples' faithlessness, we see the example of the boy's father's faith. He brought the boy to the Lord, hoping that he could heal him. The boy's father's faith was certainly weak, and his petition to the Lord is anemic compared to the others looking to the Lord earlier in the gospel saying, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He has been troubled for a long time, as long as he's had to watch his son be afflicted by an evil spirit. He's probably tried all sorts of things by this point. He brought his son to Jesus, but Jesus wasn't there. So his disciples tried, but they couldn't help. His faith is waning. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. His faith is waning and weak, but it is faith. He calls on the Lord to have compassion, to help. The Lord sees the small mustard seed of faith and seizes upon it, rousing it with his words, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Having his faith strengthened at the word of Jesus, and having a promise in which he could trust, he immediately cries out, I believe, help my unbelief. The man grasps the promise of Jesus and confesses his belief. But note how he's not trusting in his self. He's not trusting in his own faith. He believes Jesus but he knows that his faith is weak and that only Jesus can both cast out the Spirit from his Son and heal his weak faith, heal his own unbelief. Here we see the attitude of faith. It is not one that relies on the self, as the disciples tried to do, but it's one which looks outward to Jesus Christ as the one who alone can help us in every need. Faith recognizes the flesh's desire and the desire of the sinful self to rely on self rather than God. Faith knows this, and so it comes to Christ for help. True faith knows that the Lord gives warnings lest faith be lost, so it never relies on itself, but always leans on Christ Jesus. Faith does not say, I've heard the word once, I'm set for life. Lord, keep such thoughts far from us. No, faith says, I believe, help my unbelief. Faith seeks out Christ where he promises to be, crying, Lord, help me. This is why we always return to the Lord in His Word and Sacraments, for He has promised to be there to strengthen our faith in Him, to help our unbelief, to help us by His Spirit to mortify the flesh which wants to rely on itself, and to build up our faith with trust in Him. He has given us many assurances and promises of all that which comes by faith, and so we always call on Him to help our faith, to strengthen it, to uphold it, to keep us within it, for we know that that if we are left on our own, we would go back to relying on ourselves. But if we believe in Him and trust in Him, relying on Him, we know that He helps us, delivers us from sin, death, and the devil, and brings us to everlasting life in the world to come, where our sins will be forgiven us eternally, death will be dead, and the devil done away with. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now may the true peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen.